Hello and welcome to the Enough Said podcast. Enough Said is brought to you by Independent Newham Users Forum, the registered charity for mental health. We are recording live from Ithaca House and I am joined by two co-presenters today. We have Michael Ahern. Hiya. And we also have Edgar Cassidy. Hello. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode, guys. How are you doing? Not too bad. Um, I believe today we're talking about comedy and the effects of mental health with comedy. Cool. Uh, We can try and do that, yeah. How are you doing, Michael? I'm okay. That's good to hear. So, um, as Edgar's already pointed out, we can discuss comedy and the effects on mental health. Um, What, I suppose a good question to start off with is perhaps who is your favourite comedian at the moment? Um, I have, uh, one, one I would have to point out would be um, Omid Lily because I saw him live in 2017. Okay. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was great, but yeah, he's got, he's got, you know, he's got his own audience and, and his humour is geared to that certain audience. And, and he's been around a bit to sort of work himself up and get to that sort of, that level, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. He's very insightful, very clever comedian. Um, yeah, it was it was a blast. Cool. Where did you see Omid Jalili? Um, and the Hammersmith Apollo, yeah. Okay, nice. Yes. I yeah. think that's he's he's from that area, he's like a West London yeah. lad. Um, yeah. Michael, have you got a favourite comedian at the moment? Um, not really. Okay. What have you been to any comedy shows? Or I've comedy seen stores? lots. I've seen. I think I've seen what what's that one? That one he's on never he was never mind the Buzzcocks, Bill Bailey. Okay, yeah. I've been to one of them. Okay, and well, what did you think of Bill Bailey life? I thought it was quite good. Cool. Because it was not really what you would call it was all over the it was kind of more thought provoking than Yeah. He uses music in his comedy, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Does, does uh, TV themes and things like that. Wow. I mean, I think he's been on TV as well with Black Books, but he, he brings on the keyboard or the piano, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, me, myself, I think I've got a... Uh, I, I kind of like Dave Chappelle. Uh, he's made a lot of news recently. Uh, but in terms of British comedians... I think my favourite one might be Jimmy Carr because um, he's really good at uh, saying something a little bit naughty. And get away with it, yeah. And I think he's also good at talking to hecklers as well. For some reason, it seems like there's a lot of footage of people trying to heckle him in an audience and he, he's, he really puts them down in one line, so that's pretty cool. So... Um, how does watching comedy make you feel? It gives you a sense of escapism, you know. Makes you feel, makes you feel empowered and makes you feel happy. Um, and it gives you that sense of enjoyment, you know. And it's it's better than watching a film, or 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 just as good as listening to music because you get you get some clever insights mm. from when when people talk, you know. And, and it's very often live. Yeah. Or, you know, transmitted on TV or radio. 
and it just just makes people happy. It gives it makes laughter is the best medicine, and and especially for you know underprivileged people in society. Not just I'm not talking about people who might know problems, but just anyone that can be uplifted by comedy. You know, um, it, it's just it's just a great thing. Mm. So, do you think um, like watching comedy should be um, almost prescribed uh, so much as like on the mental health to kind of help alleviate the symptoms of uh, I don't know like a particular mental health condition let's say for example depression would do you think people being gifted tickets to go and watch a comedy show would be helpful Def- definitely yeah okay um, just, just make people feel uplifted you know bring them out of their their sense of their sense of in, in the bad place that they come from you know yeah or just to drag them out of that whole sort of thing you know okay and it's it's, it's and it's an international thing you know it doesn't matter if you're got a mental health problem or not you know it's just there for to make you feel better you know yeah 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 so Michael what's your opinion of what Edgar's just said I agree with him. It's also nice where they can, but they can actually talk about if they've got mental health or disability, and they can sort of laugh at. It's not when well, it's not kind of like shameful. They can sort of kind of laugh at themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also breaks the stigma. Okay. Do you think that? Um opening up like that as an individual is very important for a stand-up comedian to let people into their real real lives yeah. rather than their character yeah and that also so so if anyone's watching out there who's got it yeah they can sort of go oh yeah i've had that yeah and it sort of it's, it kind of breaks it makes them feel yes i've got this i've got this disability yeah. And you can sort of kind of, instead of thinking it, see it maybe a lighter side to it. Yeah. Um, so, which comedian do you know now do you think is closely related to mental health at the moment? Um, I, I, to, be, to be fair, I haven't done my research on that um, at this moment in time. But I would like to think of laughter as a medicine, you know. Yeah. You know, to help mental health, whatever comedian it is, you know. Yeah. Um, but in terms of somebody who talks about mental health, yeah. Um, I haven't really come across a comedian. Do you know any, Trevor? Or? Um, I mean, looking back at um, what people have said about themselves in the newspapers, I would say maybe Ruby Wax is maybe one comedian who has come out as having a mental health condition, but she hasn't... I don't remember her being in a stand-up after that. I think she's yeah. written quite a few books and she's been a patron of a few charities. Um, I think Stephen Fry is somebody who came out of mental health issues yeah. and I think he did a TV yeah, series, he's QI. He's more... Not stand-up, though. He's more... Yeah, yeah. Look. But um, I've been looking at um, a few uh, podcasts, mainly because we recorded in... Uh, this uh, podcast 
and I found out about um, a film called The Podcast Documentary. And um, it was about Americans who create podcasts, and a lot of them were stand-up comedians. And one of those comedians, his name, uh, if I can try and get up on the internet, is uh, Paul Gilmartin. And he does a weekly hour-long podcast of interviews with artists and friends and an occasional doctor. And he talks about uh, depression, addiction and other mental health challenges that he's faced and that other people face in um, the creative arts. So I've started to kind of pay a bit more attention to um, his work because he's a he seems to be somebody who's openly come out as having mental health issues as a comedian and continue to perform as well. Uh, I know the actor Robin Williams did a lot for charity and possibly mental health as well. Um, mm. I would like to see some of, um, some of his stand-up comedy. Have you ever seen any of Robin Williams' stand-up, Trevor? I've seen a, quite a bit of Robin Williams' stand-up, particularly when he was at the Apollo in America. Not it face-to-face, but obviously uh, through videos and uh, footage and like and his, his death is kind of a mystery because he did a lot for charity and for people but I heard that he was, he, had, he had the beginning of Alzheimer's okay and he wanted to, and he committed suicide apparently because of that so it's, it's interesting how he was helping other people but he didn't want to sort of yeah he, he was kind of embarrassed that he was <laughs> at the beginning of a disease and he just felt he must have felt really low you know I mean I didn't know that was the case I thought it might have been something else but I I don't know his personal circumstances but I can only imagine that maybe his friendship with Christopher Reeve after he became paralysed may have had that effect on him where he probably didn't feel like he could live um, or risk living a, a similar lifestyle of perhaps being wheelchair bound and cared for so, um, so in a sense in a Christopher time. Reeve had a negative impact on, on, on Robin Williams isn't it I'm not saying it had a negative impact because there was obviously a friendship there but yeah, yeah. it's possible seeing Christopher Reeve in that state of paralysis near to the end of Christopher Reeve's life may have been something that Robin Williams would have been fearful of if you're saying that it, if it's true that the Alzheimer's um, early onset Alzheimer's was something he was concerned about. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, what do you think about uh, Michael? Your um, Robin Williams' contribution to the mental health community. I think he did talk a lot about his depression and all these other demons he did have, like alcohol, drugs. Yeah. But he was least, and in some of his stand-up, he's kind of honest about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remembered a lot of him talking about when he used to drink, drive and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How would you compare somebody like Robbie Williams to somebody like Jim Carrey, for instance, in terms of comedy? In terms of comedy, I mean, yeah. uh, that's a very difficult thing because I think Robin Williams is, when he was alive, I think he was a great 
performer on stage who had a lot of energy and creativity. Whereas I think Jim Carrey has got energy and creativity in films, but on stage he seems to yeah. be more of a a good um, impressionist. Because yeah. I think he used to do a lot of um, Clint Eastwood and uh, Jack Nicholson yeah. and other impressions and, uh, like that. Jim Carrey admitted that he took drugs when he was filming The Mask in the 1994 film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure ab- about him taking drugs, but the thing is, I, I, I would say that if he took drugs and Robin Williams admitted he took drugs, then obviously the two of them have got maybe like a shared experience. But maybe, yeah. I think with Jim Carrey, maybe he was fortunate enough to get more perspective with everything that came with his fame because I think Jim Carrey had like three big international multi-million dollar hits in a row whereas I think with Robin Williams I think he had a bit of a longer climb to get to where he was um, Jim Carrey did that portrayal of Andy Kaufman the, the, the comedian didn't he? yeah how, how did you find that? Um, what the portrayal of yeah. it, I've yeah. never seen Andy Kaufman so I, I would assume that he was on the money compared to um, uh, what the Americans remembered of him. But I know that there was a Netflix uh, documentary, I think it's called Jim and Andy, where Jim Carrey released the film footage of the research he did to become Andy Kaufman. So that was interesting because I think he was talking about almost being inhabited by another spirit or a presence or another body. Like he, he didn't feel present as Jim Carrey when he was filming that. He only felt present as Andy Kaufman and he believed that he was in contact spiritually with him. Oh, that's pretty heavy, yeah. It's a heavy documentary and I think it came at a time when um, I think a lot of people thought Jim Carrey wasn't uh, quite fully... Um, with his mental faculties because he had he'd he'd made a lot of challenging interviews yeah. i think it was like 2017 i yeah. think it was i remember that yeah and he was making a lot of very so, obscure statements something about yeah. was he wasn't jim carrey he was someone else, else. yeah he, yeah he was just playing jim, jim carrey. carrey yeah and, and the, then something about this us and this them. Mm-hmm. And he, he started trying to deny an Eric Cantona kind of thing, but it didn't quite work out the same way. Yeah, I think with... Um, yeah, I think he made a lot of like really interesting statements in the what felt like an Eric Cantona style, which I think in the interviews, out of context, it probably wouldn't have made sense. But I think if you see this uh, documentary and maybe a couple of the talks that he's done is um, you'd see what he was trying to say because from what I understood of it and um, I think it's called Jim and Andy and the Great Beyond Um, so that came in 2017 so from what I understood of what Jim Carrey was trying to say is that his real name had become uh a caricature so because he was going on stage using the name Jim Carrey rather than a pseudonym it meant that everybody understood Jim Carrey to be this stand-up wacky wild comedian and he felt he didn't have ownership over that character anymore so Jim Carrey was now he belonged to 
the public as a comedian, not as a private, personal um, individual for himself. So he was having difficulty separating the two. How would you compare Robin Williams to Jim Carrey in a few words? <laughs> that's a really, well, that's a bigger question well, than the last one. One, one does Jim Carrey does impression. He done mainly impression. But what I yeah. saw on YouTube, he saw just yeah. oh, this is Robert the New. Yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. Rob, Robin Williams just sort of just came alive once he hit the stage. He could, he was like a machine gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could just do, 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 for about two hours non-stop talking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say. Um, Actually, I think one of the big differences with Jim Carrey, because I think Jim Carrey and Robin Williams do a lot of similar things, but I would say Jim Carrey seems to do a lot of physical slapstick performance, like Buster Keaton, Laurel and Hardy style stuff, like because he did Dumb and Dumber, and that's a lot of physical performance. Yeah, yeah. And I think Robin Williams, he does a lot of wordplay. So I think he's very good at saying very funny quips and one-liners very quickly as well. So I, I think if you look at a, a comedy that probably describes Jim Carrey very well as Dumb and Dumber and a comedy that probably describes Robin Williams very well is probably Good Morning Vietnam. And um, interestingly enough, I, I think the, the, the character that Robin Williams plays in Good Morning Vietnam has a bit of a mental health breakdown from like post-traumatic stress disorder of having to try and keep yeah. the troops spirits yeah. up he's got a mental health breakdown in Mrs. Doubtfire as well I think yeah doesn't he uh, is <laughs> is possible I know you, you could say so I mean I don't remember it being a story with with him having a mental health breakdown I just mean, I just mean what I mean by that is the way he went about things you know to fool everybody you know I think, I think that was more than yeah. the kid. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he, he was trying to disguise himself to get closer to What I mean is, as a ter- in terms of the law, the judge told him that it's just, it's a whole freak show, basically, what he was doing, you understand? That's what I mean. Yeah. So it doesn't look good in front of the eyes of the law, does it? Um, yeah, but I, I think the whole point of that film was that he was impersonating somebody else and he created a new character so he could get closer to the kids. Yeah. And he had to make that character as real as, as um, somebody that wasn't himself, so he could spend more time with the kids. But he still got in trouble for it, didn't he? Yeah, I, I, I think he did. So, I mean, I'm not sure... I can't remember the mental health aspects of that, but obviously it challenged a lot of issues about, I don't know, cross-dressing at the time, I think. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like in Fathers Against, what was it, you remember the one who stressed the Spider-Man? Oh, uh, now you're talking about a political movement by a group of uh, men who were worrying about or considering, um, what is it, uh, custodial rights over their children. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to find out. Fathers Against Justice? Justice? That's the one, yeah. I can't, I can't remember what it was called, Fathers... Because I remember a load of them dressed like superheroes. Fathers for Justice, yeah. that's what it was called. And I think they've got a website which is www.fathers-number4-justice.com. I thought we were talking about comedy. 
um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I was just trying to remember what um, what this group was. So, yeah, what else do you want to say about um, mental health and comedy? Do you think? I mean, I mean, the thing that we could probably move on to uh, is. Um, there's a word that a lot of people use called triggered, where apparently um, people are become upset by statements that have been said by individuals, which may have triggered maybe earlier memories and earlier traumas that they've experienced. And there's been certain comedians who've come under fire, uh, particularly in Netflix specials. I won't. I don't think we have to mention any names, but. Um, that have kind of mentioned jokes which certain groups or members of certain communities haven't taken as funny and they've taken it to heart. What do you think about that? Um, I think that's true. I think, I think Omid Gilly is one of those um, comedians where it's a target audience, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and there is the negative side of that, but there's the positive, euphoric side of comedy as well. Yeah. Where people can say things that people are pleased about, you know? Yeah. And it makes them feel good, and it makes them feel, oh, this guy's saying something witty, yeah, very funny, and I'm very, I'm very happy. And that's what you go to see. That's what you pay to see comedy for to be, to be excited, you know. But what do you think about when, when it doesn't work out? Where members of the audience, like I think Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr and a couple of other comedians, well, like Louis C.K. It's, it's a comedian's responsibility to make people laugh, not to. Not to not to like not to have the whole world censor them, you know. That's yeah. not it's not their responsibility. They're just it's it's Dave Chappelle's responsibility or any comedian's responsibility to make people laugh and you Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna rub people up the wrong way. Okay. So you know? if if Dave Chappelle had, or a, it doesn't just have to be like if a Dave Chappelle or a Bill Burr or a Louis C.K. or Aziz Ansari, whoever got a comment, and I'm not saying it just because they're men, because I think they, they're the ones that got Netflix specials, but um, if any of those comedians, uh, or even the female comedians like a Silver, Sarah Silverman or Amy Schumer, yeah. got, a, got a Netflix special, and they made jokes about, let's say, cerebral palsy, which is a condition that's close to your heart, do you think that's something that you could laugh at, or do you think they've got a right to make jokes about that? I think I think for me it takes a lot for me to to wind me up, and I think I could look at the funny side of it. Obviously, I believe there would be some people that are they're not that are, there are some serious people and there are some funny people in this world. Mm. So it depends how some somebody looks at the world and what what their mindset is, you know. Yeah. Um, like I say, it takes a lot to get me upset, and I, 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 I wouldn't be bothered. I'll just I'll just have a smile, a laugh, and a joke. But someone who is serious might might take it seriously and might have a problem, you know. Yeah. This is a world where everybody's different and everyone takes things differently, so. I mean, the interesting thing that I heard from an interview with Bill Burr, um, who I think's recently performed in London and uh, Scotland, and he's got a Netflix special that came out this month. And it appears that when he's doing jokes, he doesn't like the idea that people take the punchline as an edited version of a video clip and then critiques the punchline without um, talking about or using a setup first. But the other thing he also mentions is that when he does these jokes or when he says the jokes, he's still working on them. So the joke he says 
in January and February. He may retell it in July and August, and then he may retell it again in November and December. And it's a slightly different joke each time because he's he might have changed some of the words or the timing, or he's he's rewritten it in a slightly different way. So, what do you think about people getting offended by jokes that may not be, let's say, the finished article of what they are? I think that's a complicated question. You know, um, depends on your level of intelligence and um, what kind of comedy you go to see, what kind of jokes you appreciate. What do you think, Michael? I think it comes down to the individuals. Yeah. Why they see things? Yeah, yeah. Could some people can have a narrow mind? Some people are a bit more open-minded. Yeah, but there's something out there for everyone. That's for sure. It's just in terms of comedy. It's just that sometimes it's just harder to find that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to go for a few comedians to find your the one. That find the right angle, you yeah. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could, yeah. You could say like when Joan Rivers was alive, when she went off on things. Yeah, yeah. She, she got into enough trouble with her mouth. Yeah. Especially about a husband who committed suicide. Oh wow. And it, and then there was jokes about nine eleven just after. Joan Rivers made jokes about nine eleven. I, I think a few of the comedians did sort of make. Yeah. What some called bad taste about nine eleven just yeah. after it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, they put it down to it's their way of looking at it. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I suppose it's very difficult to accept that comedians work in, a, in an area where no subject is taboo. But um, I think maybe the thing about 9-11 was the timing because some people weren't uh, ready to talk about what had happened. But I think there was a, perhaps a lot of American comedians who were prepared to make more jokes about it than anywhere else because I think they were trying to release the tension. Yeah, because I think Joe about... got... I think she's done one, like, two days. After. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she didn't go down too well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was doing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of harsh because it's like, um, or because I think as a comedian, you're trying to make people laugh, but also sound relevant in the same time. And I don't think you can, unless she cancelled the concert. It's hard to kind of do a comedy set without referencing yeah, first, that show. But I always thought if you're going to go to, like, if you're going to go to that concert. You must have expected her to come out with something outrageous because she's always yeah, had uh, that. In her, yeah. Yeah, so you sort of going, you're getting offended, but you're still attending, knowing what uh, routines no, going to be. Expect, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so you're being a hypocrite to yourself. Yeah. You could have gone, well, I know she she might say something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. I think that's what a lot of comedians do. They kind of soften you up a little bit for the harder joke that's coming down the line, isn't it? Yeah. And I think some people are a bit thrown off by that these days. You you know, because I think Joan Rivers Martin, my husband, couldn't get away with me, so he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people go, oh, that's bad taste, that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's going, well, you know what her style of comedy is. 
it's in your face comedy. She's going to say whatever she wants to say. Yeah. No matter if you like it or not. Yeah. You still pay to go to watch. Mm-mm-mm. I think there might be another thing going on as well that, like, maybe comedians who do like a five or ten minute set, as they call it, there isn't enough time for them to be controversial. Yeah. So they say, like, I suppose lighthearted jokes that people can laugh at in a kind of mutually acceptable way. But I think when you've got a comedian that's got like one hour or one and a half hours, they've got a longer time to kind of feed in a through line of some of the controversial things they're going to yeah, say. I think, yeah. you've got, I think we've got... Then now we've got kind of a nanny state. Yeah. Where you... Oh, you can't... Oh, you can't talk about that subject. Mm. You're going to offend someone mm-hmm. if you say any sort of... Then what do the comedians... Well, anything do goes now, talk? doesn't it? If yeah. you tie his hands up, what's he got? If you sew his lips up, what can, he, what can he say? You go, you can't say that. Mm. You can say that. You can't say that, 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 other. You can say that. Yeah. And you go, but that's not my way of... It's like having Jimmy Carr and sort of giving him a P rate, PG, a U rating to what yeah. he can say. Right. So, Edgar, what do you think, after hearing what Michael said, what do you think the solution is for people to enjoy... Uh, the comedy that's available now as a help towards their mental health? I think if they go into the comedy head first, not knowing what to expect, then they can have an accident where where they can hear comedy and they can get offended. But if they know what comedians they like and what kind of comedy they like, then they can ease, it, ease into it no problem, you know? Okay. And, um, Michael, what would you say is the solution for... Uh, people who are listening to new comedians in order to kind of improve or alleviate symptoms of mental health I would say just what just if you've got YouTube or something just watch a few minutes of them if they're on it and you can decide whether what their taste of comedy is your taste of comedy okay and just don't knock them on being themselves no problem well thanks for having the final word on that michael and uh really appreciate your contributions as well edgar so that was the end of our episode of mental health and comedy so uh, it's time to say goodbye to our co-presenter edgar cassidy yeah goodbye and time to say goodbye to and thanks as well to our co-presenter michael ahan later I've been your host, Trevor, and this is the Enough Said podcast. We are recording from Ithaca House, and if you'd like to see more of our episodes, you can find us on castbox.fm, which is a podcast broadcasting website where you can listen to our podcast episodes for free. If you'd like to know more about us in social media, you can find us online via Facebook by going to at Enough Mental Health or Instagram by going to at Enough underscore MH or via Twitter going at Enough underscore the charity. We've been enough said. 
you've been our listeners. Thank you for coming on board and we hope to record another episode for you soon.